season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Today, I'm excited to announce that Manscaped has launched your ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair kit for the everyday man. It covers you from head to toe. Literally, Manscaped is trusted below the waist, so trust them with the rest. Join 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using code DOINK. We all know how essential the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for that precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with the Ultra Premium Collection. That includes the Manscaped Premium Deodorant, the Hydrating Body Moisturizer, the Body Wash, the 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Plus a free gift, plus a free gift, three pack set of a lip balm. Get twenty percent off and free shipping is called doink at manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off and free shipping is called doink at manscaped.com. Also, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Not everyone is someone they can lean on and talk to. That's where BetterHelp comes in. With BetterHelp, you have access to over twenty thousand licensed therapists. It's not crisis line. It's not self help. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own professional licensed therapist. If you ever search for a counselor in your area, you know it could take weeks or even months just to get a phone call back. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating as little as 48 hours. With BetterHelp, it, with BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year, so get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com. We want to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is also sponsored by CoolBet. Kubet is the most transparent gaming company in the world. Kubet also provides the best odds of Canada with world-class customer service. For first-time users, you're supposed to go doink, D-O-I-K, doink, for a 100% welcome bonus under $200 when signing up with Kubet. That's code doink, and Kubet will match your first deposit up to $200. Give our friends at Kubet Ken now follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Kubet Ken at Kubet. Stay cool and bet responsibly. And welcome back. To another episode of the Double Doing Podcast. My name is Brendan Deeg. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. You can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. It would also be greatly appreciated. My co-host, Mr. Eric Worthy, is with us. And today, we have a very special guest. We have the producer of the Jeff Merrick Show and host on the Fan 590 from Sportsnet. Matt Marchese is with us. Matt, how are we doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. We finally get some nice weather and it's and it's met with a hundred kilometer an hour winds that you gotta, you know, watch your barbecue cover in the backyard. So I'm trying to deal with that right now. I was on a walk with my dog earlier and like it was so nice the first 20 minutes that I almost got blown away the last like yeah. 10 minutes. So got the hell back inside pretty quickly. All right, Matt. Why don't we uh why don't we start with your Buffalo Bills? Cause that's a pressing topic I wanted to talk to you about on air here. Um, they not really quiet. They made the big move in signing Von Miller. Let's start there. What do you make? What do you make of his contract? I mean, 
the way the contract is structured, I when I first saw six years, I kind of went, um, we might have a problem here. And then when I saw how it was structured, where basically it works out to like, you know, it's basically a three-year deal worth 51 million because that's what the guaranteed money is. And I like the deal. I mean, it's it's an arms race everywhere and everybody wants to add offensive weapons. And, you know, we saw the Raiders add, obviously, Devontae Adams, but they also added Chandler Jones. So there's... Teams have made some moves, but I think for the Bills, the addition of Von Miller is just a way to compete with other teams. Basically, your your defense is your best offense, even though their offense is really good. But Von Miller comes into a team that was already one of the better pass rush teams in the NFL. But having said that, they didn't sack the quarterback as much as, as people would have liked. So I think what Vaughn Miller brings right now is he brings you that presence in the pass rush. He's also very good in run defense. We know that. And he's going to come in to a situation in Buffalo where he's not going to have to play nearly as much, which may make him more effective per snap because of the way the Bills rotate everybody on that defensive line. Like they, the, the amount of snaps that guys play in that, in that group, it, it's a lot. So you, you bring in Miller to a group that already has a, a Boogie Basham who's in his second year. Gregory Rousseau was great as a rookie last year. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ Epinesa, the second round pick from a couple years ago, he showed some flashes, but it's not mm-hmm. quite there. But Jerry Hughes on the other side and, and Ed Oliver in the middle. So I really like what they've done with this defense. And the Vaughn Miller, I, I never had Vaughn Miller on my list of free agents I expected the Bills to bring in. But when I saw it, I went, okay, like Vaughn Miller, really good player. One of the, the best defenders we've seen in this generation. And he's coming to a team that's already really good on defense. So I love the move. And it was, I think I love it more because I was surprised by it. There's somewhere you expect, but that's a big fish that went to Buffalo as opposed to Buffalo having to overpay for, you know, Mario Williams, you know, went after he was in Houston, like guys like that. This is a guy you're getting one of the, like I said, the great one of the greatest pass rushers of this generation, and he's a Buffalo Bill, and he comes into an already made system. I, I really like the move. So, are you happy with what they've done offensively in the off uh, in the off season, which is basically just run it back? I know Cole Beasley was let go, but kind of elevate Gabe Davis, get some more snaps for him. Overall, what how do you feel about the Bills' off season offensively? Before you answer that, we are a Gabe Davis podcast. Big <laughs> and, Gabe Davis. And yeah. I am a Gabe Davis stand. So we're all on the same page here, boys. I like I like that they didn't do I, I this is gonna sound really weird to say. I like that they didn't tinker with it too much, but I will say I love, love, love the Jamison Crowder acquisition. Like I love signing him for basically nothing. He's gonna fit right into that slot role that Cole Beasley had. But what it's done is it's exactly what you guys said. It's now going to elevate Gabe Davis. He's going to be another target on the opposite side of Stefan Diggs. And what we saw Gabe Davis do in that, in the real Super Bowl, sorry to say, um, with the four touchdowns and he just had, watching the way he runs routes and he's a big bodied guy, which the Bills don't really have, they don't really have anybody like that. He's a red zone threat. I, I really like what they've done there. I 
I know this is going to be a little bit off the ball. I like the OJ Howard signing as well. Didn't cost you a lot of money. And no, low, low risk, high reward signing. Exactly. This is a guy who was a first round pick. He was a star at Alabama. And then he goes into Tampa Bay where, you know, he didn't have the greatest relationship with the coaching staff. And, and, you know, he, he got hurt a lot. So I think this is a situation where if you just bring OJ Howard, like we know OJ Howard's not blocking. He's not blocking anybody. We are aware of that. But you have Dawson Knox in there. And you have OJ Howard as your one-two tight end. I'm okay with that. I like that. It gives you another another vertical threat in the offense to go along with, you know, the addition of Crowder. And and Gabe Davis is another year older and in that system. Stephon Diggs is Stephon Diggs. You know what you're getting out of him. What I am a little bit surprised at is the lack of movement at the running back position. Singletary showed that he was really good down the stretch. I was shocked at how good he was, but it was also the way that they used him. They used him properly. Um, I know they tried to sign JD McKissick and that kind of fell flat, which was one of the more bizarre things that we've ever seen. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know they brought in Duke Johnson, but Duke Johnson's not, he's just, he's, he's played everywhere and just hasn't produced. I really do wonder if they go after a running back in the draft. Like, I've seen Brees Hall mock to the Bills in the first round. I guess the Bills have kind of put themselves in a situation where if he's the best player on the board, you can take him, even though I'd like to see them take a corner. Like, they lost Levi Wallace. Tredavious White, we don't know when he's going to be back from the ACL injury. Um, And, God, what a difference Tredavious White would have made in that game against the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think they're in a position where – they're probably going to – I think they go corner in the first round, but I would not be at all surprised if they add a running back and even another wide receiver to this group in That's the draft coming up. I'm yeah, I think wide receiver, I think wide receiver is wide open for the Bills. Like, I'm looking at the draft order right now. They're at 25. Now, Jamison Williams is a guy that would I think would fit perfectly um, yep. it, it, on, that, on that team, but I don't know if he makes it past Green Bay at 22. So I don't know if he makes it all the way to 25, but running back corner and wide receiver are probably the three main needs. I think corner is probably the most pressing need right now, just because the, you don't know the health of Tredavious White yep. and whatnot. And it kind of showed in that um, in, in that divisional, like you said, the Super Bowl. We I've been calling it the Super Bowl basically since it happened. That was that was the actual two best teams in the NFL going at it. So one more Bills question for you here right now: sure. Stephon Diggs is currently the 21st highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. He is not the 21st ranked wide receiver in the NFL. He no. deserves some moolah. How much money do you think he's getting? And do you think the Bills should open up the checkbook for him? Well, they should open up the checkbook for him because he's the best receiver they've had since Andre Reed. Like we're, we're going Eric that far back. But Eric Moulds. <laughs> I love Eric Moulds, but he, but Stephon Diggs is way better than Eric know, Moulds was I too. I think Eric, Eric, Eric really has like a greasy Eric Moulds jersey. It's like one of he's, those old ones. He's the first uh, first jersey I ever got was Eric Moulds because his name was Eric. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair That's enough. There's great. not there's not a lot of good mats. Like I, I can't get a Matt Leinart jersey from years ago. So yeah. I mean Matthew Stafford, sure, but um, That's not that fun. Yeah, I, I I think they have to because we've seen we've seen what the going rate is for wide receivers when you have to sign them, but we've also seen what you get in return. Like, I thought that the Miami Dolphins stole Tyreek Hill from the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought that the the Las Vegas Raiders stole Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers. So, 
I think the risk reward is just, it's not in your favor to not sign these guys. Like I get it. Paying a wide receiver like 25 or $26 million a year. It's not ideal, but we're also, when we look at the position, the elite guys have staying power. Devontae Adams has staying power. Um, Tyreek Hill, I'm really curious to see what he does in Miami with a quarterback that I'm just not sure about. But Stephon Diggs was good before he got to Buffalo. So it's not as if Stephon Diggs hasn't been able to perform at a level, you know, that uh, uh, that is unsustainable. I just think you have to keep those guys when you can. You know, in a couple mm-hmm. of years, does that contract look like the DeAndre Hopkins contract? Maybe. But, I mean, we're also in a position where it's – I think you have to keep him. I think you have to at least entertain the idea of signing him to an extension and then kind of go from there. Listen, if he's asking for $30 million a year, then we're not interested in that. I don't want that. But if we're, you know, if we're talking 22 to 24, I, I think I'm okay with that. Yeah, the wide receiver market is forever changed now. I, I think everything's going to start with a three now. But let's move over to a different sport. We're all in Toronto here. Hot topic is tonight, does Matthews get 50? Do you have Austin Matthews as the Hart Trophy winner? It's a really interesting one. I I, I want to say yes, because he's elevated his game to a different level that we haven't seen. The offense we've seen, but the way he plays in his own zone and the way he plays without the puck is we, we haven't seen that from Austin Matthews. We're, if Austin Matthews killed penalties, Austin Matthews would win the Selkie Trophy. But unfortunately, he doesn't kill penalties, so that's going to go against him. But he's absolutely in the conversation, and you could probably make the argument right now that he's the clubhouse leader just because of the way he's played. But I always I always come back to this. I have a really hard time with not giving Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl the MVP. I, I just have a really hard time with it. Like, Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. all he does is, is get 100 points. Is yeah. he as good defensively as Austin Matthews? I don't believe so. But offensively, he's an absolute dynamo, right? But I, yeah. I do believe that Austin Matthews is in the top two of the MVP conversation right now. But I also think that we haven't seen an MVP race like this in a long time. Like you could make the argument for Johnny Gaudreau in Calgary. You could make the argument for Kirill Kaprizov in Minnesota. You can make the argument, not lately, but before for Igor Shosturkin in in New York. Kale McCarr. Yossi McCarr, yeah. They, so – I don't think we've ever, this is like a 10 deep race. And I just, I have not seen anything like this. I mean, Jonathan Huberto is having a great year in Florida. So I, as a Homer, I would like to say, yes, Austin Matthews is, is the heart trophy winner. Put your Homer hat on Matt. Come on. Yeah. And I think a lot of people view it the same way. Like I know um, one of the beat reporters in Minnesota, somebody was asked why Kaprizov's maybe not getting a lot of MVP love. And he said, it's basically because Austin Matthews seems to be running away with it. So, and and let's not forget Austin Matthews is, he missed three games to start the year and then he got suspended for two. So he's up to five now and he's, and he could reach the 50 goal plateau and, or he's going to reach the 50 goal plateau. Austin Matthews could reach the 60 goal plateau. And now we're talking in a different, different hemisphere. So yes, I have him as the winner right now, but there's still so much runway here, even with 16, 17 games left. 
so much can change. And I know that's crazy to say, but that's how tight it's been that 16 games could make or break your MVP candidacy this year. Yeah, it's it's so bizarre too. Those two guys in Edmonton are going to blow past a hundred points, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, like that. It's expected now. Yeah, it's almost like we're bored of McDavid getting 110 points. It doesn't mean as much. But I want to keep it in Toronto here, and it's a lot of talk this whole season that if the Leafs don't win a round, there will be changes. But say, for example, we're playing a Tampa or a Boston in the first round. We go six or seven games with them and lose. Do you think that that there should be major changes to this team, or like those are two top five teams in the NHL? If we go toe to toe for them, wouldn't it be crazy to make major changes just off that one series? I think you can make the argument against Florida or Tampa that that is the conversation, but I can't make the argument that if you lose in the first round to anybody else, if we lose to Boston in the first round, I don't think I can handle it. No, I, I, I my, my body can handle. It. I think I will just explode as a human. And, and that's, and that's part of the thing because as much as people don't want to believe that there's fan pressure when it comes to organizational change, there is fan pressure when it comes to organizational change. Don't kid yourself. So I look at it that if you lose to Florida or Tampa, like if you get waxed by Florida or Tampa and four, four or five, you're somebody's getting fired and there's going to be changes. Um, anything outside of a, a seven game series loss to the aforementioned teams. I mean, if they lose seven to Boston, there's still going to be changes. You lose seven, even to Carolina. They played Carolina really well this year. The only, only, only thing that would change that narrative is if both goalies are still out by the time that, like, I know Jack Campbell skating right now, but if if God forbid, I'm going to knock on wood here. If he gets hurt again and he's not playing, Mrazic's out for the rest of the regular season and probably longer. They're saying a minimum of six weeks. That guy just can't stay healthy. So now you go into the playoffs with potentially Eric Schalgren as your starting goalie. Now all bets are off because it's like, well, we didn't have Jack Campbell. We didn't have Peter, even Peter Mrazek, who was actually playing better of late before he got hurt. So I think there's some caveats to that. Like one, obviously, like I said, being, you know, what happens with the goalies going into the playoffs. But, you know, if they lose to Boston or they lose to Carolina, or whoever they play outside of maybe, I, I still think they can beat Florida. I'm certainly not sure <laughs> about Tampa. Because they're just so incredibly good, and they just need that's to get into the playoffs. That, if the season ended right now, we're playing Tampa, and that's that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, Florida could go on a little bit of a a slide here, and the Leafs pick up some points. Like the Leafs getting that win against them on Sunday was a big deal. Um, and Florida, you know, I know they beat Montreal, but they, they didn't look great in the process. And and if Aaron Ekblad's out for any longer, that's tough sledding because. It's hard to keep the puck out of your net without your number one defenseman. So I, I, I think that changes will be made if they struggle in the playoffs against anybody basically but Tampa. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. If we're in agreement that there's changes, do you think that those changes are in the front office with Dubas or Shanahan? Or do you think it's on the ice? Basically, it would have to be one of those big four forwards. And, well, Matthews isn't going anywhere. So any of the other three forwards. And Marner's not going anywhere either. He's just shown how important he is to the team. Eh. I, I, at the end of last year, I would have said trade him, but you can't trade him. Like yeah. as soon as you trade Mitch Marner, 
You never, you're never going to win that deal because he's the best player in the deal. He's one of the ten. He's, yeah. You could make the case he's one of the ten best forwards in the NHL right now. Yeah, I also do jerseys for a living, and his jersey is as popular as Matthews. To be honest, it would be a huge, huge fan outrage if they what, do trademark. What do you guys think of Matthews' contract? I they had no choice but to sign it. He right didn't now, want to do eight years. Right now, he's he's a free he's a UFA at the end of the 24-25 season. Does that not? Nah, scare it doesn't you bother me. No, it doesn't bother me because there's so many other things. Like outside of the allure of going to maybe New York, there's no other team that can fulfill Austin Matthews with endorsements and all that other stuff. Right. Like the market of Toronto. Yeah, but like a couple, like another first round loss here, maybe a missed playoff yeah. season mixed in there, something yeah. like that. I, I used to be a little bit worried about Arizona, but now they're playing out of a college stadium with 5,000 fans. So yeah. I'm not worried about them anymore. They might as well be playing out of my backyard. I don't, Literally. Listen, I don't listen to him talk about – like I haven't really heard him on a mic. Does he talk about his hometown a lot? Like, no. Uh, no? No, and you know what? I, I think – I don't think there's a – honestly, I don't think there's an allure to go back to a hometown early in your career. I think a lot of guys stay where they're comfortable – and then when it gets to a point in their career where like, you know what, things are winding down, I'm going to go to a different, I'm going to go back home. But I don't think that happens in the prime of your career. Like, I'm certainly not worried about Arizona. But I also think that Austin Matthews has had a lot of individual success here. And he's only going to get better. I think if something happens, I think you could see Austin Matthews go to management and say, I, I want to have some say in what's going on here. Because yeah. if, if people don't think that Connor McDavid has some say in what's going on in Edmonton, you're living under a rock. So I think that's the point that it kind of needs to get to. And I think it might, but I'm not, I'm not concerned about, I'm not concerned about his, his contract. And as for the, the other question about where the changes may lie, I think William Nylander is probably the most attractive piece that you can trade because his contract is so good and he can score 30 goals in his sleep. Right, and so yeah, he's over thirty to sleep. I don't know how I don't know how many he has now. Like I, I, I mean, guy's invisible right now. Well, but he has those moments where you look at William Nylander, like in the playoffs last year when none of the other forwards were going. William Nylander was incredible. So he's got twenty four goals right now. He's got sixty points in sixty six games, and that's with him struggling. So I don't know, like. Yeah, I think lots of teams listen at the end of the one day, goal in his last nine games. Yeah, I have zero goals in my last <laughs> however many games. So it doesn't it's it's you I can get it bury in the show, Matt. You can oh yeah, yeah. I can you can bury me under the ice. That's about all the burying that's gonna be done. But Nylander, Nylander is the type of player that every coach thinks they can fix. We know this, it's in every sport. Every coach or GM has an ego. I can fix that guy. I'm smarter than the guy that had him before. So somebody would pay to bring William Nylander in. The contract is is very good. He makes under $7 million. Yeah. And guys that score, like, so Nylander's on pace to score probably about 74 points. You know how many teams would jump at the, I, at the thought of getting a guy that's going to consistently score 70-plus points in a full season at $6.9 million? It's, the lineup is endless. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I I would personally be okay with moving Nylander. I when he is on, he is an elite winger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when he's off, like and my problem with him is you don't know what you're getting game in, game out. It you really don't know. And it's almost period to period with the guy sometimes. So I would I'd be in agreement. 
I think if changes do have to come, he would be the most attractive piece to move considering what you can get back with mm-hmm. it. I would love to see them get, bring in a defenseman back yeah, from that. Who's the younger defenseman in Arizona? His name is Chickren. Yeah. Why don't you package Nylander and a couple first rounders and get that guy in here? Oh, I would be curious. I, so what I what I know from what I've been told, not that I have sources, but I hear from other people, that the Coyotes want basically the equivalent of three first round picks. So it's a first rounder and maybe two guys that are guys that were picked in the first round, then fine. Like the idea was if it was Florida, that it was going to be Owen Tippett, who was drafted in the first round, Spencer Knight, who is their top goalie prospect, and a first rounder. That's pretty much what the ask was. So I just don't, I don't think the Leafs have the appetite to do a deal like that. Like, yeah. I think what's going to happen is the decor is going to look relatively the same next year. I oh do think, God. I think, I think Mark Giordano comes back on a cheap deal like the Jason Spezza deal, like the Wayne Simmons deal. I think that's what we're looking yeah. at with Giordano. He's 38 years old. He's looked, he's looked good. He's looked great. He's looked yeah. awesome. Can't complain. But he's 38 years old. I, yeah, it's, I'm 33, and I know how <laughs> I know how old I feel. I can't imagine what it's like at 38. All right, why don't, we, uh, why don't we transition to the hardwood here and talk about the Toronto Raptors. A couple big wins, a nice big win against Minnesota. And they beat the Boston Celtics a couple nights before that. Who do you want to see in the first round? Because I would want to stay far away from Philly and Milwaukee. I would rather play Boston in the first round. That's kind of the matchup that I'm in. But do you agree, disagree? What do you think? Yeah, I want to. I don't want Philly yet. I want Philly to get beat up first. Um, like tenderize them a little bit before before you get to play them. A Boston, to me, is, is the most ideal. At the end of the day, you want to play Chicago. Because <laughs> Chicago doesn't beat elite yeah. teams. That's just... A, I think Chicago's record against the top 10 teams in the league is like two and 18. So they stink against elite teams. The Raptors on the other hand have the best winning percentage among teams uh, against teams that are in one to 10 in the league, I think. So it's one to 10 or one to eight, but they have the highest winning percentage against those teams. And it's like 60%. So that's incredible. Um, So I, I, I think Boston is the best matchup. I don't want to be anywhere near the Bucs. I don't want to be, although the Bucs have just, the problem is you don't have an answer for Giannis. You just yeah, don't yeah, have I can, anybody I can, that can cover him. I can see Giannis just dropping, averaging 45, 10, and 8 against us, and we go go out in five games. Yeah, it all depends on what you, like, Scotty Barnes has done a really good job. He's a really good defender. I think OG's a really good defender as well. Pascal has had his moments too. So I, I, I guess if you listen, Nick Nurse is a smart coach. I wouldn't. He can. He can handle anybody. It's just the Raptors just don't have that star power like Milwaukee does with Giannis. So I think that's where it becomes difficult. But I mean, if it's Boston, I know Boston has Tatum. I know they have Jalen Brown. They're a really good team. I'm just not. I'm not there. I'm not there with Boston being elite or 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 that much better than the raptors if the raptors are healthy the raptors are really good it's just a matter of them staying healthy right now and they just they haven't been able to do that consistently but if pascal's playing at an elite level fred's playing at an elite level scotty barnes just continues to play the way he's playing and you get really good shooting from gary trent jr which you have seen in spurts where he has been a game breaker then you look at this team and go they can make some noise in the east maybe they don't get to the NBA final. I mean, that seems like that's going to be Philly's destiny, but 
Maybe they get to a conference final. They, they certainly can get to a conference semifinal. I think they can win a round in the NBA playoffs. So there's, they're a very interesting team. I would say I'm not, I'm not sold yet that they're ready to, to make that jump and compete, but it does feel like they are a year or two away and they're probably one player away from being elite. But the problem is, is that one player is, has to be elite. Like not very often do you win in the NBA without a star player. And the Raptors just don't have that, you know, top five or top 10 guy right now. Eric, what do you think? Who, who do you want to play? Okay. I, I agree with you guys. I'd rather see Boston or Miami, but I think what's more important is I think the other teams are all trying to avoid playing us yeah. Because teams kind of it's not it's quietly been talked about the last little couple of weeks that if you're unvaccinated, you can't play in Toronto. I think that's gonna be a factor for some teams. Uh reports are Jalen Brown is unvaccinated. I don't have I don't know if that's the truth or not. But if Boston would be playing two or three games in Toronto without Jalen Brown, that's a huge advantage for the Raptors. And the net, and even the Nets without without Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I mean, like, there's there's lots of factors here. My Philly Twitter sources tell me that Doc Rivers is also unvaccinated, the coach of the Sixers. So okay, that could be a little. Okay. That's a little bit very of a interesting. Yeah. Right. But so Matt, I'm seeing online right now. There's some books that has Scotty Barnes as the still in the second spot. He's plus two hundred right now to win Rookie of the Year. Evan Mobley's out a few more games. Is that not? I think that's a pretty good bet. What do you think? I, I'm a sucker for bets like that, especially when it comes to the hometown guy. So I, I don't hate it. I really don't hate it because he's proven that he can play at both ends of the floor. And I think the advantage for Scotty Barnes is that nobody thought that he was going to be as good offensively as he has been, because he's been way better than anybody thought this early in his career. Offensively we knew the defense was going to be there. But offensively, it's not just the scoring. I think the scoring's better. But his ability to, to play the point position, he's a very good distributor. I think that's where people are most surprised because his all-round game is just spot on right now. And I, again, I don't think anybody saw that coming. And we expect that he's going to become a better shooter. And he's already a really good passer and distributor of the ball. So I, I like... I'll take the the plus two hundred on Scotty Burns. Like I, I would sprinkle a little cash on that. Mm -hmm. All right, Maddie, let's get you out on this one. So by the time this episode drops, it'll probably be too close to puck drop tonight. Uh, Matt has been doing unsolicited gambling advice on Twitter and on Instagram. It's been awesome. I love seeing these videos. Um, it's MattyMar89 underscore bets on Instagram, and you can follow him on Twitter as well. I'm Matt Marchese, and you can see the videos there. But, Matt, do you have anything for the listeners for this weekend on Friday or Saturday? Um, I have to look at my – I have something for tonight, but I haven't quite looked If it's at a late the, game, throw it your way. If it's like a night one, but – No, I don't, I I don't have the late, late game, but I can yeah. I can tell you this. Um, I'm just trying to look at the at my odds right now, and, of course, I can't log into anything while i'm on because why would that make any sense <laughs> um and for whatever reason uh, nothing's working so um i do have the the leafs at minus one and a half tonight winnipeg's coming on the back end of a back-to-back -back. um i also i can i can say this i do know that i have a parlay it's a four gamer but i will include the two late teams 
And that is, I like, hold on here as I'm pulling. I know this is really great for a podcast. <laughs> um, Calgary over the Kings parlayed with the Colorado Avalanche over the San Jose Sharks. San Jose and LA on the back ends of back-to-back. You can go money line on those picks. But you know what? Frankly, I just think that Calgary and Colorado, who's getting Nathan McKinnon back tonight, are just that much better than, than the Kings and the Sharks. I would even parlay them both at minus one and a half mm-hmm. just because back end of a back-to-back San Jose got embarrassed by Arizona last night. The Kings played a really tough game against Edmonton. I'll, I'll take those two either money line parlay together or both minus one and a half. That's Matt Marchese of Sportsnet and friend of the show. Matt, thanks so much for doing this. This is great. Anytime guys.